mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Consolation. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 33 through 37. Here now, Pastor Moody. The Lord dropped a word in my spirit, and I have been for 40 plus years preaching, trying always to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and know what He's saying. But I've been seeking God about our nation, about the situations that are going on around us, the hurts, the the pain that people are going through, trying to be sensitive to God's heart and how to reach out and make a difference with people. And I heard the Lord drop a word in my spirit this week that I'm going to preach on uh, this morning. I preached it uh, in the early service. I actually preached this on the live stream Wednesday night. And I'd prepared another message, I thought, for today. But God kept dealing with me about this one word, and that word is consolation. Consolation. And consolation means to comfort someone, to console, but it also means to comfort them with the goal of encouragement, to move them forward from where they are. And so many in America need that right now because Pain left unattended can lead to frustration. And then frustration can lead to anger. And then anger unchecked can lead to anarchy and to destruction. And that's where we are in America today. And I'm not trying to hitch my horse to a wagon that everybody else is hitching to. But I'm trying to find an answer from God. And to share it uh, by way of this pulpit, by way of social media, by way of radio, every way we can share it. I want somebody to hear that there is consolation. There is comfort with encouragement that comes from God. Can I get a witness? Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will pray the Father. He'll send you another comforter. The world can't receive him, but you can because you have me, and he is the Holy Ghost. But the church also, uh, last week I, I repeated something I heard Jay Davis say that he quoted Charles Spurgeon saying, that Jesus is the face of God, the Holy Spirit is the voice of God. And in our day, the church is his body. We're his arms and legs. We're his mouth, his eyes. We're seeking out and speaking the things that God would have us to say. And I want to, again, mention the Pruitt family who are watching us. And then you heard Brooke mention a moment ago that uh, Friday evening I was coming back uh, from from Harrington Lake. I've been over there four days and uh, every day. And I was coming back, going to the funeral home for Julian Moppin's viewing. We had his funeral uh, yesterday. And uh, anyway, I was on my way back, and I got the call to go to my brother-in-law's house, Talani Renfro's house, his wife, Janice, who was Sister Moody and I. Listen, we're 
they prayed, played a great, great part in us being in church and being saved. They were the ones that prayed us through, that witnessed to us, that helped us when we started. And so she's like a, a spiritual mother to us as well. She's been Sister Moody's sister-in-law since Sister Moody was 12 years old. Uh, she's been in the family 53 years. And she's just a, a part of who we are. She's part of us. And anyway, I arrived at the house, and about a half hour later, she went on to be with Jesus. And uh, there's consolation in that, though, because death is not the end. Do you understand Jesus said, he that believes on me will never die? Say that with me, never die. My body may retire, but Owen Moody will never die. I'll go on to be with Jesus, to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. And then when the, when the trumpet sounds, my old dead body will get up and be renewed, praise God, and be fitted for eternity, and then I'll enter back in and live on forever. Amen. But there's consolation in that. And I want you to know, no matter who you are, where you come from, there's consolation in coming to Christ, and the church is here for you. No matter how bad it hurts, no matter how long you've been wronged, we're here to help you. Amen. Let's look at the Word of God, if you would, to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to go to verse number 33. The Bible said, with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands and houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, the money that they brought, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, which is also interpreted Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed. That's a word that means nicknamed. How many has ever been nicknamed? I was. It wasn't very nice. But they nicknamed him Barnabas, which is by interpretation, son of consolation. If you have the New King James translation, it says, son of encouragement. Some of the other translations say that as well. Consolation is, is comfort, amen, with encouragement, that there's something better coming. So he was the son of consolation. He was a Levite and of the country of Cyprus. He was a foreigner. He wasn't even one of them. Can you say amen? Came out of Cyprus, and having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I want to talk to you just a little bit about consolation, about Barnabas, about this man of God who made a difference and it was instrumental in changing the world that was in a very bad state at that time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. I'd like to tell you just a little bit about the conditions at that time. Jesus had been crucified, buried, resurrected, had been seen alive for 40 days by over 500 at one time, by hundreds at others, had went back to heaven, sent back the Holy Spirit. Pentecost had happened, and the church was alive. People were being saved by the thousands, by the tens of thousands. The world was being taken with the gospel. At that time, great persecution arose in Jerusalem. 
You, you need to get this picture. This is why they were selling property and bringing money. Because the church was being persecuted by the Jews, by the Sanhedrin, by the council, the high priest, which were, which were aligned also with the Romans. And the church was being brutalized. People were being killed for being Christians. The Bible relates that they stoned Stephen to death at this time, first martyr of the church. And from that, along with that, so many were being arrested. Families were being destroyed. And your Bible says that literally the people were all driven out of Jerusalem except the apostles, just a handful of them and their families. And the saints that were left at Jerusalem were referred to by, as the poor saints at Jerusalem because they were starving. I mean, they had nothing except Jesus. Come on, Jeez. that's consolation. And in this context, we read about this man by the name of Barnabas, or Joseph as he was called. They nicknamed him Barnabas. And the name Barnabas, <coughs> I read in your hearing, means the son of consolation. This name reflected his character. Throughout the book of Acts, we read about him and his encouraging spirit being on display. I mentioned Stephen being stoned, and the Bible said there was a young man standing there holding his garments by the name of Saul, consenting. This was Saul of Tarsus. He was, some of you are shaking your head, yes, the lights come on. He would later be the Apostle Paul. He was, uh, had went to the council. He was a part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council class of Jerusalem, of Israel, and he had letters in his pocket that if he found anybody Claiming the name of Jesus, he was to arrest them. He had guards with him, troops with him. They would bind them, pull them away from their family, take them back to Jerusalem, and there they would either be killed or imprisoned or beaten. It was a horrible, horrible time. But on the road to Damascus at noonday in Acts chapter 9, the Bible said there was a light that shined from heaven, brighter than the noonday sun. Blinded him, burned his eyes out. He fell off of the horse. A voice from heaven spoke and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He knew it was deity. He said, who are you, Lord? And what would you have me to do? And Jesus spoke to him and said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And it's hard for you to kick against the pricks or the ox goats. In other words, it's going to be hard for you to, to get by what I'm doing here. You're going to be a preacher whether you like it or not. Come on, somebody. So he goes back on into Damascus to a place called Straight Street. and He's blind and God touches a man's heart by the name of Ananias. And he walks in and uh, after God talks to him and says, go down and pray for him. He's, go down and he's, he's praying and I want you to go down and baptize him, get him right. And Ananias says, hold the phone, God. This is Saul of Tarsus and I've heard about him. He's a brute. He's a monster. And God said, you go on down there. He's praying. And I love it when he walks in, he says, Brother Saul, are you with me? Jesus that knocked you off your horse and put your eyes out and sent me down here to pray for you that you might recover your sight. And by the way, he got the Holy Ghost <laughs> and he was called to preach. And they brought him back to Jerusalem and the Bible said in Acts chapter 9, this, this Barnabas was the first 
to embrace Saul to stand with him. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 said, When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself. He tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were afraid of him and didn't believe him that he was a disciple. They thought he was just a trick, a spy. He's come to infiltrate us. And uh, yet the scripture says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them, Amen, uh, that who he was. Amen. He declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had, how the Lord had spoken to him and how boldly he had went down to Damascus and he had preached Jesus. And uh, amen. In verse number 28, it said he was with them and he was coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And so all of a sudden what happens is Barnabas stands with Saul and affirms him. He's this, he's this guy that has a way of fixing things. And the Jerusalem elders then, they send Barnabas to Antioch where he went to encourage the Gentile disciples. And he, he goes there with them and he, he sponsors Saul. He, Barnabas goes there and preaches and the Bible said many more believes. Then he, he brings Saul in and he, he sponsors him in a ministry. Of course, we know we're talking about the Apostle Paul. He sets him up there. And then in Acts chapter 11, the Bible said they which were, were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen tra traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but to Jews only. And some of the men of Cyprus and Serena, they heard they they were they they were converted. And so Barnabas he comes down and and he's uh, he's doing the work of God. The hand of the Lord was on. Acts eleven twenty two said. Then the tidings came to the ears of the church, and they sent Barnabas. He goes there. He sets up this ministry. He he really just kind of gets Paul going. And uh, then uh, they they send them back. They, they, he uh, the scripture said in Acts eleven twenty five. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him there. And after he's, Paul is preaching and the church is growing, then the church at Antioch, they take up an offering. And they send it back to Jerusalem as a gift to encourage the believers there. This guy was powerful in what he did. There, there came a time when they, they start out on missionary journeys. And John Mark, if you remember that story, he, he quit right in the middle of the ministry. And so Paul's done with him. He, he's judging him harshly. I said this in the early church. I said, I probably wouldn't say it to his face because he's a great, a great apostle Paul. I'm going to say it now. He's looking on from heaven. He was wrong. And you say amen. He, he, didn't want, he was done with John Mark. But Barnabas stood up and they had a contention. They argued about it. And Barnabas said, I'll just take him with me. And Paul's wanting to kick him out. He's done with him. But Barnabas, this, this son of consolation, I'll preach where I'm going here in a minute. He, he takes him with him on his journey. And he develops him and he restores him. The Bible said those of you that are, are spiritual, if you see a brother taken in a fall, restore him. That's what Barnabas is doing. By the way, Paul's the one that said that. Again, I would say Paul, practice what you preach, but... It's Barnabas that restores him. And he not only does he restore him, but he restores the relationship between Barnabas and John Mark. Later, when Paul's in prison, he says, bring my coat. 
Bring the books, the scrolls, I need them. And then he says, and send John Mark. I need him. He, how many knows Barnabas did what he set out to do? I, I started thinking about this. We need people like Barnabas in the land today. We don't need people to keep fueling the fire and causing the division. I've said it for years. Our nation's been divided. We're, we're Democrats and Republicans. We're, we're red and blue. We're right and left. Are you with me? Now we're going back to we're black and white. Hello? We're separated. We're divided. And I'm not going to get political, and I'm, I'm not going to say everybody's okay. We're all, I'm telling you, there's right and wrong. But the answer is not to burn things down and destroy things. The answer is not hate. And, and preachers, I'm going to say this to the white church and to the black church and to the blended church. I'm going to say it to the traditional church and the modern church. The answer is we need some Barnabas spirits back in the, in the body of Christ. We need to be consolers. We need to be encouragers. We need to look at people's hurts and wounds and say, I'm here to help you. I may not understand it, but I know a God that does, and he's the one that I represent. <laughs> Glory. Jesus is the answer. Salvation is the answer. The answer is revival and restoration, amen, that comes by way of repentance and seeking the face of God. Hallelujah. I want to say this. God did not mess this country up. Huh? God didn't mess the church up. I've said for years, if a church is dead, some preacher killed it. Hello. But I've come to tell you, God is the restorer. He is the repairer of the breach. And he's called us to be the consolation and the encourager to those that have been cast down. In Psalm 129, it tells the story of, of Israel. And it said, Israel can say time and again, I've been oppressed. I've been enslaved. I've been beaten down. And he says it again. They can say it time and again. I've been, the, the enemy has destroyed me. Israel was destroyed so many times. Jerusalem was destroyed so many times. But then the Lord spoke up and said, but they plowed my back with furrows. And they made them long. And that was a prophetic word about Jesus coming. You know what, Jesus, what God was saying? He was saying, I know who you are. I know what you've been through. So I'm going to come down myself and take on a human body. And they can beat me and they can kill me. And I'll die in your place, but I'll get up again with resurrection power. And I'll save the nation. And I'll save the world if they'll come to me. I'm just going to just preach about two or three little things here real quick this morning. I'm going to tell you that, that uh, Barnabas, who, who was used to, to restore John Mark, Barnabas, who was used to preach at Antioch, Barnabas, who was, who was so encouraging, they changed his name from Joseph or Joseph to Barnabas. They nicknamed him the Consoler. They nicknamed him the, the Encourager. I wonder what people see when they see the church today, when they see preachers today. What are they seeing today in the body of Christ? I, I know when we were live streaming this music and this worship there a while 
ago, I'm sitting there thinking, God, I hope somebody's watching this that's so broken and so hurt and so wounded and they feel what we're feeling here. People say, you you all are just emotional. No, well, it is emotional. Come on, if it gets on you, something's gonna wiggle, honey. Praise God, I'm gonna tell you, it'll make something move, it'll touch your flesh, but it gets in and touches your heart and it'll break up the fountains of the deep and it'll shine light in places where there's never been no light. I've come to tell somebody, this thing is real. I would encourage you that Jesus is the answer. Give him praise if you would. Hallelujah. You know, somebody walked up to me the other day and said, I'm looking for a church. I said, well, glory to God. They're everywhere. I said, I know where there's some good ones. I know where there is a good one. I didn't know where they lived. I was about to try to pull them in the right direction. And one of them spoke up and said, well, I go to church, but nobody cares about me. We don't ever hear anything encouraging. It's always negative. It's always beat me down. It's always harp at me. And they was going on and on and on. And somebody spoke up and looked at them and said, dear God, you need to go to that guy's church. That's the last thing that happens there. Glory, glory. I, I, I don't want to be known as, as hardcore Owen, can you say amen? I want to be known as, as a man of grace, as a man of, of anointing, as a man of the Holy Ghost. I want to be able to pick somebody up. I want to be able to open blind eyes, unstop deaf ears, cast out devils. I want to be able to be, speak the word of God and see results. Hallelujah. That's who the church is supposed to be. Glory. You see, Jesus is our consolation. He is our encouragement. Brother Moody, I don't know if you can help me or not. Hell, let me solve it for you. I can't. But he can. Can I tell you, he's helped me so many times. Come on, somebody. I dare you touch somebody and say, the Lord sure enough helped me a lot. Praise God. Tell him if he has. Amen. If you ain't look at him and say, well, he's going to, praise God, because that's just who he is. He's our consolation. Your Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 25 that there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was a man just and devout. And look, the scripture says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In the midst of that Roman slavery, in the midst of that oppression, in the midst of of the years of of punishment from turning away from God, 400 years from Malachi to Matthew, there had not been a prophetic utterance. There had not been a visitation. There had not been a word from God till the angel Gabriel showed up one day and told Elizabeth, said, you're about to have a baby by that old worn out husband of yours and his name is gonna be John the Baptist and he's gonna be the forerunner of the Christ. And when she was six months, so long, Gabriel came back, found a virgin by the name of Mary and said, the power of the highest is gonna come up on you and you're gonna conceive and bring forth a son. How can this thing be? I've not known a man. And she said, that which is in you is gonna be conceived of the Holy Ghost and he'll be called the son of the highest. And she threw up both hands and said, "Woo!" 
be it unto me according to thy word. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. And from that moment on, there was not only one angel, but the next thing you know, there's a multitude of angels out on a hillside. And the Bible said they're saying, amen, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men because unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, can I shout it, a consoler, an encourager, hope, hey, was wrapped up and laid in a manger. Yes, 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 glory. Jesus is our consolation. He waited. Bible said for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it said in verse 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, God was changing the order of everything. They were getting ready to transform, transition from law that condemned and let people know they was going to hell to a Savior, to grace that let them know you could walk right out of that valley. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. There's a new day dawning, a new sun shining. Hallelujah. Somebody sang a song and said there's a new kid in town. Hallelujah. And his name is Jesus and he's changing the world. Glory. Amen. Jesus is our consolation. Jesus said in Luke 6 22, blessed are you when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company. I told him in the early service I said that means when they don't want you to play on their team. They're done with you. When I was a kid going to Kingston, we played something called kickball in the first grade. I didn't go to kindergarten. Wasn't because I couldn't afford it. They didn't have it back then. So we go on. But we'd, we'd choose teams. And there was always some little scrawny kid, no matter who the captain was, that couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time, and nobody wanted to pick that kid. Everybody wanted to leave him out. Some of you are laughing, others have got your head dropped. <laughs> and every now and then the teacher would step up and say, hold it. I don't care who you think you're going to choose, you're choosing him first. That teacher was a consoler, can you say amen? And that's, that's what I'm talking about. There, there's a new kid in town. Come on, somebody help me. And they, they want to separate you from their company, Jesus said, they, and shall reproach you and cast you out, uh, cast out your name as evil. Talking about kicking them out of the synagogue for the Son of Man's sake. And uh, he said, rejoice ye in that day and leave for joy. Because you know what? Behold, great your, your reward is great in heaven. For they did the same thing in, in like manner did their fathers to the prophets. And then he said, and those of you that are rich, those of you that have got it going on, those of you that have always enjoyed everything and you've never seen hardship nor, nor cared about it or tried to help somebody out of their trouble, you never tried to share your abundance and your blessing, but you just kind of sat back and you know, just kind of, well, those people getting what they deserve and I've got it all, got things going my way. He said, you've got your consolation. In other words, that's all you're going to ever have. Is anybody hearing me? And I'm telling you, I've never seen a U-Haul tied behind a hearse. I've never seen nobody ever to take anything with them. You come into this world naked. You'll go out of this world naked. And the only thing matters is what you did with Jesus Christ. And God's called us to reach this world. 
Jesus is our consolation. And, and we can all shout and sing, hallelujah, I got Jesus, if we're saved. But he has, in turn, gave us the ministry of consolation. I mean, if you can close up your bowels of compassion, how dwells the love of God in you? How could you love God whom you've not seen if you can't love your brother who you have seen? And love is just not just a warm, fuzzy, passionate feeling. But love is feeding a hungry person. Jesus said, I was sick and in prison. You didn't visit me. He said, I was naked and destitute. And you didn't clothe me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And the disciples said, Lord, when did we ever see you? You've never been in jail. When did we ever see you starving or naked or destitute? He said, as you've done to the least of them, that's how you've treated me. That's consolation. He's given us the ministry of consolation, of comfort and encouragement. In Romans 15 and 1, the Bible said, we then that are strong ought to be able to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. I mean, if you spend your life, if you live your life for yourself, when you die, nobody will come to your funeral. Are you with me? You'll die a miserable old miser. But you live your life giving, sharing, loving. And, and the funeral home, the church won't hold them. You might say, I don't care. You will. And you stand on the other side and face God with whom we have to do. Am I preaching all right? Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification and lift him up. Verse 3, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as is written, he said, the reproaches of them that reproached you have fell on me. Verse number 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation, there it is, the God of patience and consolation, grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. In other words, God said, I've called the church, the body of Christ, Listen, God didn't call the Kiwanis to reach the world. Hello? He didn't call the Masons to reach the world. I, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't care. I'll call your name. I'll find you after a while. God, God didn't call all these civic groups to win the world. He called them to do what they do to help people. But God called the church to be Christ to the nations. Can you say amen? amen. That's who we are. He's given us that ministry, that ministry of consolation. And so the question begs to be asked, how can I be what Jesus was? There's this thing that's called the transfer of the anointing. Can I say the transfer of consolation? Listen to this. Paul said it in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. He said, if there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, when you say that, that's, that's hard. For, that means any yearnings from within you to, to, to dispense mercy. That's what bowels of mercy means. He says, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem the other better than themselves. Let every man look not to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 
That doesn't mean be some long-nosed, long-tongued busybody running around gossip about other people's business. But that means care about people. Amen. When you see somebody down and out, somebody hurting, somebody broken, and we say it often now because it's a prevalent problem, when you see somebody addicted, when you see a family that's self-destructing, when you see a man that's about to lose his family because he's living the life of a fool, are you hearing me? Being led astray from the very thing that God blessed him with. They said, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Amen. He thought it not robbery to be counted equal with God, but was willing to lay down his life and to offer heaven and everything it holds. He left the throne of glory. He left streets of gold to come to fallen man so we could leave here and go back to that glorious city. Can you say amen? That's what consolation is. I want Nick to come. I want to say this. When we see people saved and see their lives transformed, to me it's a tragic thing to watch somebody come have a great relationship with God, a wonderful new birth, get saved, become a Christian, and then start to lose interest in the things of God. The prosperity preaching of the last few decades has caused the church to lose sight of a dying world and focus on bank accounts and stock options and a bigger house. And if God blesses you with that, rejoice at it. But don't let it blind you. Do you know, there was a beggar that laid outside of a rich man's gate. And that man, that rich man fared sumptuously every day. He had servants and maids, had the nicest of the nice. And right outside of his gate, there was a beggar named Lazarus who was sick and eat up with bulls, and the dogs were licking his bulls. And that man rode in and out in his chariot, Hello? And his finery, and never even gave him a crumb. Gave him nothing. And they died the same day. And Lazarus was carried into paradise, into Abraham's bosom. But that rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. Now, that's not very popular, but by God, it's the truth. Well, you shouldn't preach hell. That's, that's not a seeker-friendly message. Let me make it a little more nicer. He lifted up his eyes in hell and said, I'm tormented in these flames. Send Lazarus. Let him come dip his finger in water and touch my tongue. And Abraham looked at him and said, well, in your day you had the good stuff and Lazarus had nothing. Now the tables are turned. Besides, Lazarus can't get to you. Buddy, you're in hell and you ain't getting out. I've got five brothers back. Somebody go warn them. If they won't believe the law and the prophets and the word of God, they won't believe if somebody goes back from the dead and tells them. Mm. Somebody said, that's pretty rough right there, preacher. But God called us 
to be sons of consolation, encouragers. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to that church, he said, we're bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel, by our preaching, to obtain of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by an epistle from us, by our preaching or by our letter from us. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and, and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and given us an everlasting consolation of good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and, and establish you in every good work. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I'm glad you all got saved. I'm glad you listened to our preaching, but I want you to keep learning and growing, and I want you to do what we did. I want you to reach out to the dying, to the lost, to the hurting, to the needy. I want you to be an encourager, a consoler. I want you to tell them there's a better way than the way they're living. I, I want you to do what God did through us. I want you to just keep doing it. Hallelujah. That's who we are. And all of a sudden, our world is falling apart. Stand with me. Our nation is divided. Cities are being destroyed. And yes, there's an organized movement to do wrong. Does that shock you? Does it surprise anybody that there's an organized movement to destroy and do wrong? Can I tell you that Jesus said the thief comes not but for to kill and steal and to destroy. And Paul said we're not fighting against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness and this, of this world, wickedness in high places. Satan is trying to destroy our world. And whichever way he can do it and whatever he can facilitate to cause it, doesn't care that's why a tragedy can escalate into a dilemma huh? that's why I said pain left unattended can turn into frustration and frustration unchecked can turn into violence and violence can turn into anarchy and before you know it Rome was laying in shambles a greater empire than this because people miss God are y'all with me families for 42 years I've tried to save families that are destroyed today because one member or two members wouldn't listen to wise counsel Satan destroying lives he always does so what do we do we put on our Barnabas suit and we find people who are cast down and forsaken and fallen and hurting and angry and frustrated and we give them a cup of water and we love on them and we pray for them and we show them Jesus Christ is the answer it's alright Set our hearts on you
We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.